So today I want to um, continue in our series in the Gospel of John. Last week I broke away for a minute uh, for Baptism Sunday and, and taught on baptism, uh, both water baptism and fire baptism. And uh, we had a great time last Sunday. We, bap- we water baptized 10 folks. Come on, can we give the Lord a big hand clap for that? Ten folks got water baptized. It was awesome. Uh, we had testimonies and things like that. It was so, so good. I love, I'm just going to be honest with you. I love baptism at our Savior's Church. Can I just say that? Like, like we have a blast. Like, it was fun. We laughed. We cried. We cut up. It was awesome. Then we prayed for some folks at the end of service to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so um, just, just super, super great weekend. Uh, so today I want to get back on course. I want to jump back into the Gospel of John And uh, the title of my message today, this is week 28, by the way, Uh, the title of my message today is, I care enough to not care anymore. I care enough to not care anymore. I care enough to not care anymore. So today I want to show you a powerful truth that Jesus revealed to his disciples in the last few days of his life, currently where we are in the book of John is we're coming into the end of Jesus's public ministry, and we're starting to begin his private ministry. So if you can remember all the way back to week one, we talked about how the, the book is broken into uh, basically like four pieces. There's the, the prelude or the, um, I can't remember the exact name, but the prelude and then the Um, the public ministry of Jesus, then we get into the private ministry of Jesus, and then the last chapter is on um, the last day of Jesus and and all that. And so we're getting into the private moment of Jesus's ministry. In other words, he's not going public anymore. The the time frame is this. Jesus is, is basically a few days away from the cross right now. Where I'm preaching at today, Jesus is basically a few days from the cross, maybe five, maybe six days from the cross. And so the intensity of what he's doing and who he's spending his time with is starting to build. What he says gets, seems to get more impro- important or even more urgent. How many of you know when something big's getting ready to happen and you are the only one that knows it's getting ready to happen, you want to try to prepare the people around you as best as possible, Right? And so Jesus going private now is spending time with his closest people and he's giving them the things that they need to continue after he's gone. So what he says from here on out is absolutely urgent. And it's important. There was some, we're in chapter 12, and there was some Greeks who came to spend time and to talk to Jesus, and they asked one or two of the disciples, can we get some time with Jesus? And when they approached him, Jesus began to say something that it, it would probably seem off the wall to them, but Jesus was always good at just dropping some good revelation, right? Just some good wisdom, so pick, pick up with me in, in chapter 12, verse 23. I've got three thoughts for you today. Thought number one, if you're taking notes, is something needs to die. Something needs to die. Uh, 
I would say when the enemy's convinced you that you need to die, what he's trying to distract you from is the thing inside of you that needs to die. Verse 23, Jesus replied, Now is the time for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. Up until this verse right here, Jesus has been saying time and time again, now's not the time. Now's not the time. If you remember his first miracle when he turned water into wine, his mom was like, hey, go, go take care of the wine issue. He's like, it's not my time. It's not my time. And so off from that point until now, he's been saying, it's not my time. It's not my time. My time has not yet come. It's not my time to, to be revealed to the people. It's not my time to go to the cross but he changes the story in verse 23. He says, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. In other words, now's the time for me to get the attention everyone around me has been trying to give me. Verse 24, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Jesus just drops this thing on them, and it's like, wow. I think they were probably a little bit confused when he said, now is my time. They were like, well, what is he talking about? It's time for me to enter into my glory but then he says this, he says, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, unless it is planted and dies, it remains alone. Unless it dies, it remains alone. Unless it is planted into the soil and dies, it remains alone. Cheryl has some field peas from her grandmother's uh, stock of field peas. When I met Cheryl, her she said she has a she has and Cheryl has the best family on the planet. Period. Um, and her grandmother, who lived in Lacassine, was she died at 92, 93? And then my 97. <laughs> and she gardened and she did her own garden until they basically told her she couldn't do it anymore, which was probably somewhere as close to late 80s, maybe 90. L late, late, late 80s. And she had this, this tool that many of you probably have never seen before, but it's a it's a wind row maker. It's it, it's a row maker. And it's, a, it's got long wooden handles and a wheel and a, a blade and it, and you do like this and you, you pitch. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So I was a college football player. I'm, I'm going to go a little bit long with the story, but I, I just think it was funny. I was a college football player. She's a little bitty lady. I'm a college football player at Magnese. And I go one day to help prep the garden for grandma. And everybody else is doing like this. And, and I'm looking at that and I'm like, I've never seen a tool like that before. I'm like, that's so inefficient. Why would you do like this? Why not just walk with the thing? So it's my turn to make a row. So I grab the tool, and I just start, because I'm big enough, I just start walking. That woman ran up, full sprint. Mimi and Cheryl's here to tell me, tell you if I'm lying. 
full sprint, threw her shoulder into me, took the tool from me, and then French, I don't know all she said, but she said I was doing it wrong. And I went, I just got manhandled by a little bitty Cajun woman. And so she had an incredible garden, and in her garden she had some of the best field peas I'd ever eaten in my life. And, and so Cheryl's family's like, it's a gravy family. It's a rice and gravy family. Come on, somebody. That's what makes them so happy all the time. And so, so I, I learned the art of field peas. I would put my rice in the plate, and I would put the, the field peas on top of that, and I would put the gravy on top of that, and I'd put the meat on the sides and throw in one or two little vegetables. <laughs> and it was the best thing in the world. Those field peas were amazing. So we got married, we moved, moved away, and, I, and we Cheryl wanted to do a garden. I said, hey, can you get some of your momos field peas? And she's like, I don't know, let me ask. So the next time we were there, Momo, can I have some field peas? Oh, yeah, baby, I got some in the freezer. She got the seeds, and she brought the seeds, I think, back to Franklin. And they traveled with us from Franklin to Jennings to Crowley to Eunice, and we still have some in the freezer today. Wave your hand, Cheryl. Let everybody know I'm telling the truth. We still have some of those filled peas in the freezer at home, and when she plants a garden, she uses those seeds to plant the garden because that's the seeds I like to eat. Come on, somebody. Mm. We got filled peas today? <laughs> Dang it. Here's the amazing thing, is those peas or seeds traveled from Lacassine to Franklin, from Franklin to Jennings, from Jennings to Crowley, Crowley to Eunice, and they're currently sitting in my freezer right now just chilling, literally, since y'all all said it. But not a one of those field peas or seeds will ever reproduce itself as long as it's chilling in the freezer. But the minute you take one out of the cooler and you bring it to the soil and you plant it in the ground, it starts to die. When it starts to die, it actually starts to live. And this is the amazing thing, yet the most confusing thing about Christianity is that we believe I need to live to live. But Jesus says, no, you need to die to live. You're going to understand one day the kingdom of God is backwards from the world. Actually, the world is backwards from the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is right and the world is wrong. So where we would say, I need to get mine, I need to be me, I need to get some attention, I need to sell my brand, I need to do this, Jesus is saying, the most humble one of all of you, I will bring attention to him. I will lift, humble yourself and I will lift you up in due season. But when the kernel dies, it produces many new kernels. Now watch this. This is interesting. It says a plentiful harvest of new lives. Now what's amazing to me is that, is that these, these folks got up here and they gave testimonies today and, and, and they, something changed, right? If you knew them before and you know them now, what happened? 
life. The life of God came to live on the inside and, and now it's time to give that life to others. But in order to do that, you're going to have to die. Jesus makes this thought-provoking statement. Listen to it. Love your life in this world and you will lose it. Wait, what? Love your life in this world and you'll lose it. Well, that doesn't sound like anything I've ever heard in my life. It doesn't sound like the people I hang out with. That doesn't sound like the, the TV I watch. It doesn't sound like the... The, the reels I watch, it doesn't sound like the social media I, I spend too much time. It's, it doesn't sound, that sounds weird to me. Love your life and you will lose it? Can I tell you something? Just because it doesn't make sense to you, please do not discount it. In fact, I would encourage you to do the opposite and dig into it and ask God to help you understand what he means by it. You can disagree with Scripture all you want to as long as your heart is open up enough to let Scripture disagree with you. Jesus is saying that, in, that if your life in this world is your priority, then you will eventually lose it. Can I just be honest? That's a hard pill to swallow. I'm in the people business, and, and, and I'm a people myself. <laughs> I've had to learn how to take care of myself. I've had to learn how to care for myself over the years. I had to learn how to pay attention to myself at times. I had to learn how to live healthy. I had to learn how to get healthy, and I had to spend some time on me, which is important, Right? Dying to myself doesn't mean that I become a slob and I live unhealthy and then I, I die early and, I, and my life never reproduced. So, so what do we do? How do I love my life in this world but not lose it? That's a good question. You see, when you love your life in this world, your life will remain alone. It'll only be one life. It'll never reproduce itself into many more. Ah. To love my life in this world is to love what my life is like in this world. It's like this. My life is my priority. My life comes first. My will takes priority. My desires take priority. My goals take priority. My dreams take priority. My wants take priority. My ambitions take priority. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Jesus gave some final instructions 
and he said, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to do everything I've commanded you to do. What is he saying? He's saying you're going to have to die to yourself to reproduce what I've done in you. Jesus has an expectation on us. Listen to me carefully, church. He has an expectation on us to go and reach, to go and build, to lay our lives down, to create or to produce more lives. I firmly believe I will stand before Jesus one day and he will tell me something about my ability and my willingness to reproduce what he's done in me in other people. So if I'm my priority, then Jesus is not. It doesn't get any more cut and dry than that. Then he says this, those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. You know, some translations use this phrase, those who hate their life. In this world will gain it or keep it for eternity? Wow. Those are strong words. Morris said this. He said, the man whose priorities are right has such an attitude of love for the things of God that it makes all interest in the affairs of this life appear by comparison as hatred. Can I simplify that for you? He's basically saying those whose priorities are right live in such a manner that it seems like hatred towards his own life. Okay, you're going to have to get this this morning. Jesus' priorities are so rich and so great and so good and so powerful that if we'll go after those, the people around us will go, man, you seem to hate your life. Process that. Because on the surface, that sounds a little, a little shaky, eh? So what is Jesus telling us? To hate our life is not to despise it, but rather to see it as a gift we can give to God. I don't start hurting myself. I don't start harming myself. I don't start degrading myself. I flip my priorities. I pursue him before I pursue myself. Come on. I pursue him before I pursue myself. I check with him before I make my own plans. Come on. Your life has the potential to produce more life in others. Your life is a gift to God, and it is a gift to others. 
Okay, I know I'm not the only guy in here that used to think this, but at one point in my life when I was very, very young, a long time ago and I was naive, I used to think I was God's gift to women. <laughs> Till I met my wife and she helped me realize <laughs> I need help. <laughs> and so I've always kind of just like, oh, I'm, not doing, I'm not God's gift to, to women. I'm not God's gift to anybody. And the enemy slipped in and made a lie. You're not a gift to anybody. That's a lie. My born-again flesh, my born-again life, the life that the Holy Spirit fills and baptizes is a gift to God the Father and to the people I will run across on the planet. You're going to have to get this today. You're not a piece of trash like the enemy keeps telling you. You've made bad decisions. You've done stupid things, but that doesn't dictate who you are. It doesn't define you. Like you said earlier, God defines me, and he defines me as a gift to the people on the planet. Why else would he put life inside of me for me to just have it for myself? No, I got to die so that something can live out of me. So whoever cares nothing for his life in this world will keep it for all of eternity. I think the biggest wrestle in my walk with God has been my willingness to die. Just die. I got feelings too, yeah. I want to punch people in the mouth too, yeah. I want to give them the what for too, yeah. I want to quit sometimes me. Yeah. Sometimes I just want what I want. You'll be very proud of me the other day. I looked at my wife the other night. This was two nights ago. It's fresh off the boat. Two nights ago, we had a great, great supper as normal at my house. And I'm sitting there, and this, this sweet tooth came upon me. Oh, it came like a flood. And I looked over at my spouse, and I said, spouse, would you like for I to go get a candy bar at the store? And she was like, that store? I'm like. What you tripping on, woman? It's a candy bar. It's in a wrapper. No matter what store it comes from, it's good. I said, yeah, that store. She said, I guess. And I went to town, and I didn't buy a candy bar. And I didn't buy anything else either. Like some of you are thinking, no, you, some of y'all are like, yeah, but what else you bought? I didn't buy nothing. I came home, and I ate pineapple. Wow. Somebody please tell Lindsay that for me in case she doesn't believe me. She'll believe me. So watch this. We're all we're, we're only pilgrims on this planet. Heaven is our real home. Something inside of us is going to have to die. Number two, you're going to need to prove this with your proximity. You'll need to prove it with your proximity. Verse 26, Jesus makes this statement right after he makes those other statements. He says, anyone, that means you. You're anyone. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. 
because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. <laughs> Here's the issue. Some of us go, okay, I need to die. You might say, okay, point one, okay, I'll accept that. I need to die. Something inside of me needs to die. It needs to die. Okay, great. That's just the start of the process. Because now, Jesus says, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. Because my servants must be, watch this now, where I am. Must be where I am. Now, only those who care nothing for their life in this world are willing to serve Jesus. If you care for your life too much, you're not even willing to serve Jesus. And they usually prove it by either following him or not following him. And those who care nothing for their life in this world want to be where Jesus is. They want to be. You see, there's a major difference between wanting to be somewhere and having to be somewheres. When you want to be somewheres, no one has to make you. But the minute someone has to make you, it's because you don't want to. Oh, the world would be a different place if most of us had some different want to. I want to be in Jesus' presence. I want to spend time with Jesus. I want to read my Bible. I want to pray. I want to, to worship. I want to be used by Jesus is a different person than the one who's over here. And you got to keep going. Come on. You need to follow Jesus. Come on. You need to want Jesus. Come on. You need to serve Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. There is a major difference. When somebody wants to, you don't have to make them. It's exhausting to make people do something they don't want to do. If every one of us in this church would want to reach this region for the kingdom of God, this region would totally change. The issue is, is we got some issues when I want to. And the issue lies in the fact that we don't want to die to some area in our life that says, if I go and reach the lost, if I step out of my comfort zone, it's going to cost me too much. So I'm not willing to die in that area of my life. So the seed, if you're that seed, as long as you live and believe that, you live alone. You're just one seed, one kernel.
when the reason God gave you his Holy Spirit was to give you the ability to go beyond your fears, to go beyond your distractions, to go beyond your discouragement, to go beyond your insecurities. But we got a letting problem. We don't want to let the Holy Spirit lead us into those places. So we remain alone. And what's even better than all that is that Jesus says this, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now, we all serve Jesus in many ways, and we'll get into that in, in just a minute. But, but many of you serve Jesus in many ways, and I don't, think, I don't think all of you understand how you serve Jesus. You may be serving Jesus now and don't even recognize that you're serving him. For instance, um, I'll use Jesslyn as, a, as an example. Jesslyn is a, is a, um, a health care physician. She, she, she's a basic doctor. She takes care of people. She had the gift to learn, the ability to learn. She went to school. She, she gave herself to education, and now she's being used by God to help people live healthy. Does that make sense? So in reality, her heart is set to serve Jesus. She's serving Jesus by working out what he's called her to do. And there's many other examples. Andy's a police officer. And in a, in a way, that's a way of serving Jesus. I wanted to say that because some of you don't believe you're serving Jesus when you actually are. And if you'll just wake up to the fact that I'm serving Jesus, it may change your attitude a little bit and it may encourage you to serve him more in some other areas. Amen. So I believe a lot of us are serving Jesus and we don't even really realize it. But I believe a bunch of us are living beneath our potential. You notice the devil never attacks a dead person? Jesus says, the Father will honor anyone who serves me. You get that? Like God Almighty is going to honor me if I serve Jesus. Like I'm not doing it for the honor, but like he loves it so much that he's going to give me honor for serving Jesus in my world that I get to influence. <sighs> Charles Spurgeon said this, we are not saved by service, but we are saved to service. You were saved to service. Let me show you eight ways how to serve Jesus. Number one, spend time with him. Just spend time with him. Intentional time with Jesus. Like not riding in the car, listening to Christian music on the radio. That's not necessarily spending time with Jesus. I'm talking about some intentional time. Like conversation. Like the, the testimony, this was the first time I heard God's voice. This is the first time I felt like he spoke to me. Good. Keep with that. Keep going. He'll speak to you again tomorrow. <laughs> Spend time with him. Number two, offer your life to him. Watch this, daily. 
Because <laughs> it's easy on Monday, but boy, it's hard on Friday. <laughs> I done took it back by Friday. Offer your life to him daily. Let me just practicalize that for you just for a minute. Can I do that? When you're spending time with him, from the, from the depths of your heart, Lord, I give you this day. How can I serve you today? With a willingness to do whatever. Whatever. Oh, that's a scary place for some of us, right? What you mean, whatever, Pastor? You know I'm planned, scheduled, overplanned, overscheduled. Made my list, my list, checked it twice. Offer your life to him daily. Number three, live out the scriptures daily. <laughs> if the church of Jesus would just live out the scriptures daily, this world would be a different place. Number four, share your story of Jesus. Just go tell people what Jesus has done in your life. It doesn't have to be sermonized. It doesn't have to be printed out. It doesn't have to have scripture with it. Come on. Just share your story of Jesus. But listen to me clearly. Make it about Jesus, not about your bad habits. Make it about Jesus, not about your dirty past. Some people make their testimony too much about their past and not enough about the Jesus who reconciled them and saved them from their past. Make your story about Jesus. I was a cool y'all, but Jesus rescued me, and now I get to walk with him every day. And he walks with me, and he talks with me. Share your story of Jesus. Number five, love others. If you don't love others, my friend, you're struggling in your relationship with Jesus. Oh, pastor, you was doing good to that one. Because I got some others. Woo. I want you to remember Jesus said to bless your enemies. Love others. Number six, use your gifts to honor him. You need to know what you're good at. You also need to know what you're not good at. It'll save you a whole lot of disappointment. You may not be good at what I'm good at, but I can promise you I'm probably not good at what you're good at. Can we just be okay with that? But I have a responsibility to figure out what I'm good at, what God's gifted me with. That's my responsibility to discover. How did you wire me, Jesus? What breaks my heart? What gives me passion? What gets me up in the morning before the alarm clock? Like, what's my passion? What's my gift? Figure out what that is. And then use it to honor Jesus every day. It'll revolutionize your life. Because you won't be living for yourself who keeps letting yourself down. You'll be living for Jesus who lifts you up. Number seven, serve in the church. <laughs> Come park a car for somebody. Somebody who didn't even want to be at church in the first place. Come hold a spot for them. Say, hey, I got a spot for you over here. Because they might have just been thinking, well, if there's no parking spots, I'm out. 
That's my excuse to leave. Come serve in the church. But that's not the only place we serve. Serve in your community. There's a bunch of grown men yesterday went door to door praying for people and telling them about Jesus. Reach your community. Serve your community. Figure out ways to go and serve others. Amen? So number one, something needs to die. Number two, prove it with your proximity. Number three, there's purpose in your pain. There is purpose in your pain. There's purpose in every bit of pain. So if the enemy's telling you that you don't have any purpose in your pain, you can tell him to shut up right now because God has a purpose for your pain. Look at, look at verse 27 and 28. Jesus gets really vulnerable, which is a great example that he gives to us. He says these words, now my soul is deeply troubled. Now my soul is deeply troubled. You remember the moment in the garden where Jesus brought his three closest friends and he stopped and he said, hey, y'all stay right here and pray with me. I'm going to go a little bit further and spend some time with the father. And he got so emotional that his sweat was like blood. Jesus is vulnerable. He says, my soul is deeply troubled. Then he teaches. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? Okay. Jesus Christ, God's own son, just told the Greeks and his disciples, my soul is deeply troubled. He knew what was coming in just a few days. He knew the pain he would have to experience. He knew the, the cross he would have to bear. He knew what it would be like. Jesus knew all that going into it. He's already getting troubled a couple of days before, and he's vulnerable with it. He says, listen, guys, you're going to have to, the seed's going to have to die in order for others to live. And my soul right now is troubled. It's deeply sorrowed. What is he saying? I really don't want to do what I'm about to do. I'm troubled because I don't know if I want to die. So then he gives a lesson. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? Now let me tell you something. If Jesus struggled getting to the cross... You think maybe we're going to struggle a little bit doing what he tells us to do? Go tell Bobby at work, the, the, the idiot at work, that God loves him. Aha. I tell Bobby a lot of things, but I ain't about to tell Bobby that. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour... But this is the very reason I came. But this is the reason I came. So if he rescues me, then my reason no longer exists.
he's showing us that an evacuation from his trial was not the purpose of his trial. You ever wonder why he didn't save you from that trial? You ever get mad at him for not saving you and sparing you from that trial? Maybe it wasn't about your rescue. Maybe it was about his presence. Maybe it was about his plan. Maybe it was about his purpose. I mean, God gives us the perfect example. He sent his son to die. And we're supposed to live a pain-free life? It's not supposed to hurt? He's supposed to rescue me every time I make a statement of faith? What if the great need for your life today is not to be rescued, but for you to discover his presence and his purpose in your moment? Jesus said, this is the reason I came. I came to die. So that many would live. You see, what's interesting is that Jesus, in his last days, shows us the attitude we need to have in our last days. Or in the last days. And then Jesus says this in verse 28. Father... Bring, bring glory to your name. And he's saying, Father, I give you permission to bring glory to your name out of my pain. What a reward must be waiting for those who are willing for God to bring glory out of their pain. awfully quiet in here, isn't it? You think maybe something's dying? Come on, worship team. Can you accept that, that there's purpose in your pain? Can you accept that? There's purpose in my pain. Jesus said, my soul is deeply troubled, but this is the very reason I came. I'm not even going to ask for a bailout. I'm not even going to ask for a rescue. This is the very reason I came. And then he makes the statement, Father, bring glory to your name. What if the greatest 
statement of faith for you today is this one right here. You might ought to write it down. Lord, use me to bring glory to yourself. Lord, use me to bring glory to yourself. What if that's the greatest statement you can make today and then again tomorrow? Lord, use me to bring glory to yourself. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes real quick. Jesus said if that kernel goes into the ground and it dies, it will produce many new kernels. He said a plentiful harvest of new lives. A plentiful harvest of new lives. Lord, would you open our eyes to see those new lives today? Imagine for a minute what could happen if you cared enough to not care anymore. What could happen? What could change? What could come out of that? I see people. I see family members. I see friends and coworkers. I see random people, the kind you run into at the grocery store. I see your old classmates, the ones you always try to duck and die from. Coming to Christ. New lives, new lives, new lives. God, would you use us today? God, would you move in us today? Holy Spirit, would you show us what needs to die inside of us? Would you show us? Can you pray that this morning? Can you say, Lord? Say it with me. Come on. So, Lord, show me what needs to die inside of me. Show me, Lord. Would you move in our hearts? Would you move in us in such a way that our priorities change? That my schedule changes, my plans change, my agenda changes, that God, even my will change? God, would you move in us? Lord, would you help us to see the great gift we are to the people around us? Would you help us to see the potential that comes from dying? Jesus, would you paint a picture for us right now of what could happen When new life comes, 
So Lord, help us today. my greatest prayers, Lord, come and have your way. Just come and have your way, Lord. You can have my life. You can have it all. faces? Is he showing you what needs to die? Maybe it's a fear. Maybe you're overly concerned about something. Maybe it's the cost of something. up your faith, encouraging you to keep going forward, opening the door again for you to pursue him, to meet with him. Maybe he's standing against the lies you've been believing. Maybe he's standing in front of you this morning, ready to breathe life into you again. Just like he did with his disciples. He breathed the Holy Spirit into them. Lord, we love you. We bless you. We praise you in this moment. We thank you for all that you're doing in Jesus' name. give you a couple of quick things and then I'll let you go but we'll have a once I release everyone I, I just want you to if you need prayer you need some altar time the, the worship team is going to be here and we'll have a few prayer folks hanging around um, put that slide up Justin please so we've got a mission Sunday offering coming up next Sunday um, something we're going to try to do every year it's a special offering it's above your tithe it's called an offering and it's for our city and for our church and for our world and so next Sunday I'm, I'm asking you to come prepared and prayed up about Lord what, what should I give no pressure just simply pray ask God what you can give and whatever you give, you give next Sunday or the weeks after that is going to go for 
things around our church, for our city. There's, there's uh, outreaches we want to do before Christmas. And then there's also opportunities in our world. Next weekend, I'm going to have a video from Pastor Willem in South Africa, whom we've already sown good seed into his church building. And they're very close to finishing. And so part of this offering is going to go to help them complete their building so that they can open up. Uh, they're busting at the seams. And so I'll have a video from him as well. Also, next slide. We have some opportunities coming up next year. We want to we go on missions. Um, next year we were, or this past year we were praying through getting out of the city and out of the nation and getting into the world. And so here's some missions trips that are coming up, Puerto Rico in April. Um, that trip will be sponsored by Bethany Church. We're going to join in with Bethany Church. We can bring five people from our campus uh, there. Um, Guatemala is coming. Guatemala is going to be a Compassion International trip. We're going to join in with the Compassion folks and go serve a Compassion Church there. South Africa in June is going to be a missions trip to uh, to see Pastor, with Pastor Willem and his folks there, it's going to be a more of a miracle type of, um, it's going to be a lot of praying in the hospitals and praying over sick folk, and it's going to be, it's going to be a wild trip. Um, and then also Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, uh, July 17th to the 22nd, that's another Bethany trip uh, that we can bring five people on. So the Guatemala and the South African trip, we can bring several folks, but Puerto Rico and, and Brazil, we're going to, we can only bring five from our campus. So if that's you and you want to um, sign up for that and, and what we're doing is, is as you sign up we get your information we have a conversation we sit down and you, you get to discover what the cost is and all this other stuff and, and then we, we more or less come to an agreement whether or not you should go and all these different things so kind of an approved thing so not everybody that applies gets to go but if we feel like you you're ready and, and it's time then we'd love to bring you on any one of these trips so that's that's what's coming up. So you can you can uh, contact us at the office. You can contact Lisa. You can ask for me. We can give you more details. You can also go to OSC Connect uh, backslash give, and you can get some more information there as well. Amen? Let's go. Let's go across the globe. Let's go to our city, too. Amen? Stand up with me. Let me bless you and let you go this morning. Tonight we're celebrating Thanksgiving with all of our dream team. So if you serve on the dream team, I want you to be here tonight at 5 o'clock. We're going to have Thanksgiving dinner. Come on, somebody. We'll have a great time. Got a gift for you, all that good stuff. So be here tonight at 5. It's going to be a great time. Open your hands towards heaven. Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you. Thank you for your word, God, that it's sharper than a double-edged sword to pierce our hearts, and then to bring life from it all. So, Lord, we thank you for today. We ask you to use us as we go into our city and into our region, into our workplaces, into our homes and our neighborhoods. God, would you anoint us to bring the good news to folks who don't know it, to folks that are running from it. Would you anoint us to go and heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to advance your kingdom. God, we love you. We bless you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Can I get a big amen?